0: Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for September 30th, 2018. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled Pinky Promises.
1: past Tuesday, packed tightly in a van speeding through the very crowded streets of Tijuana, Mexico, I realized that I was on my last day of a nine-day immigration immersion experience and that I was preaching today and that I had no idea what the word and for today was in our series on the makings of a good life. And I had no idea the scripture passage that I was going to be facing. So I texted Russ right quick and said, hey, let me know what I'm preaching Sunday. Got a long day in the airport tomorrow and probably can begin to study and get my mind rolling around it. A few minutes later, he sends me back the text. It says, Esther is the scripture. Courage. Is the word. Wow. God is so funny. When we put this series together months ago, I didn't even know I was going to Mexico, much less going the week before the word courage would face me. How could we have known then how many courageous people I would meet in those nine days? And I immediately knew that this would be one of those rare times that a sermon might just write itself. Courage looks like Esther, no doubt. I cannot think of any better example from either the Hebrew Scriptures or from the Christian New Testament than Queen Esther when speaking of courage. I could use the whole of the sermon time just telling you the grand story. It reads like any good best-selling novel. Sex, lies, suspense, murder, redemption, it's all there. But the extremely short version that I told earlier is that young, beautiful, Jewish Esther found herself surprisingly in a position of power, rather unheard of for a woman back in the day, and often still unheard of today for many women, But she was convinced by a relative who had no power that she was the only one that could save all of her people. And she did it. She risked everything. She summoned all the courage that she could muster, and she creatively and boldly and a little sneakily claimed her power and saved the Jews from annihilation. Read the whole book of Esther sometime. It's truly a great story. You want to know what will make your life good? You want to know what will make your life better? What will make your life whole? Be courageous. Act with courage. Speak with courage. Be bold. Take risks. When you do, you will feel yourself come alive. At least that's what happened to me in Mexico. I thought it took courage to just go on the trip. I was stepping out of my comfort zone and into a world fraught with discord and disagreement and dissent. And I'm not talking about just the discomfort of modest accommodations and a language barrier. I'm talking about politics. Is there anything in our country more fraught with chaos and negativity than the issues surrounding immigration? So I thought simply taking this trip took courage on my part. Someone did tell me to be careful. There's no more dangerous place in the world right now for a woman than the Mexican border. That's what he said. Well, I wasn't really thinking I was signing up for that kind of courage when I said I would go. But if I'm putting my very life on the line to just show up at the border in Mexico, I'm going to need to really scrounge around for a little more courage. By the way, that person's comment is laughable. I never once felt in danger. Never once. I'm sure there are moments of danger that lurk at the border because they lurk in my neighborhood and yours, because every place holds the potential for people who make bad choices to do me harm. But I found the border to be lined with people who are hurting, who are sad, who are mad, who are eager, who are tired, who are anxious, who are yearning for some hope. Perfect. I'm in the business of hope. It's what I do. I get paid to dole out hope. But in the first two days, I will confess to you that it took courage to just not give in to despair. That was what I felt. Despairing. No hope. I will give a program with slides and everything uh, in a few weeks on a Wednesday night. We'll let you know when, and you can come hear more of the stories. But I will take just this aside to say that after two days of despairing, it was two people in our group who were 21 years old, both black skinned, college senior and a college graduate, Nee, who's an American-born citizen. Her parents are Haitian refugees. And Nasteha, who's an American-born citizen, but her folks are from Somalia. They were the ones that said, you can't despair. Look at all these courageous, strong people. They are resilient. That's what we have to be. So I will forever be grateful to Judene and Nesteha for teaching me about courage. We should listen to our young people more. I thought I was going to learn about the issues of immigration. But that way of thinking dehumanizes the situation. Immigration isn't an issue. It's people. Real, live people with histories and stories and pain and hopes and dreams. And what I learned was that it didn't take any courage to go on the trip. What takes courage is coming home and talking about it. What takes courage is deciding to act upon that which I'm talking about. That was Esther's story, too. Simply being a woman and living in that time took courage. It still does for many women. Treated more as a person we would think of as trafficked today, Esther could have laid low and done her duties as queen and turned a blind eye to the oppression of her people, and no one would have blamed her. But instead, she took her chances and courageously spoke out and acted on behalf of justice. She and her mighty acts of courage are still celebrated today by the Jews in the festival called Purim. Monty reminded me this morning that, oh, this is the good one, where we all dress up like it's Halloween because we're trying to be tricky because she was tricky in the way she got her people saved. She saved her people. I wish I had the courage to save people. Already people have asked me what the solutions are and what do I think about the wall? Well, I think it's complex and complicated and I did not come back with solutions. But that was not the purpose of my trip. I didn't really know the purpose of my trip until the time was almost over. And then I realized that the purpose of my trip was to listen to the stories of the people I met and the people with whom I shared meals. They were Haitian and African. They were from Central America and they were Mexican. And all of their stories were uniquely individual individual, and painfully the same. Most were escaping trauma many literally running for their very lives from a government who sought to kill them or a natural disaster that had left them with nothing or a husband who beat them or a gang who tried to steal their teenagers like i ate with these people with these individual stories many spent weeks months even crossing many boundaries headed for a border where they had heard about freedom and possibility. And they had heard that Tijuana was a good place to cross over. They were wrong. They found not just one wall, but two. Did you know that? I didn't know that. There are two walls. Bill Clinton gets the credit for the first wall made out of sheet metal from the Gulf War. A second wall was installed about 100 yards past that one to slow down anyone that made it over the first one. The second one is heavy-duty mesh so you can see through it, topped with coils of razor wire. But the Clinton wall is currently being replaced by the Obama wall, which is higher and more sturdy and made in a way that you can see through it because apparently that makes us safer. We did see the Trump prototypes for the new wall, higher still. They're all solid so you can't see through them, which kind of defeats the purpose of the Obama wall that is literally right this very second being installed to replace the Clinton wall, which is just one example of a lot of things that don't make sense there's a solid wall, and now we're putting up a wall that you can see through it, and the big prototypes are all solid. So we hadn't even finished putting up Obama's wall, and we've got, you see the complexity of this? The wall in every administration gets so much attention. I am convinced the wall is not a solution. Conversations about immigration that focus on a wall are for re-election purposes. They were for Bill Clinton, they were for Barack Obama, I believe they are for Donald Trump. This is bipartisan chaos and evil. Bipartisan. I learned... Do not get distracted by those kinds of conversations. These conversations around the wall dehumanize. The church needs to be having conversations about people, real life, really hurting people. So don't ask me what I think about the wall. I don't care about the wall. I care about the people on both sides of the wall. Do I tell you about the courage of the Haitian migrants who are sheltering in churches trying to decide if they can make a home in Tijuana to send money back to their families? Or do they hold out hope for asylum in the U.S.? There's not a ton of hope on display in Tijuana, I will tell you that. Do I tell you about the courage of the Nigerian man who left with his brother, left his aging parents because they were safe, because they're old. They left to escape his government's aggression towards young men to engage in murderous acts on behalf of the government, and how he spent seven days making his way through the jungle, and by some miraculous series of planes and boats and buses and mostly by foot, he made his way to Tijuana where he doesn't speak the language and now he lives in a shelter with other Africans working in a car wash where half the Mexicans won't let him wash their car because of the dark tone of his skin and because Africans smell bad. That's what he told me. Funny, isn't it? That's what I hear people say about Mexicans in this country. That's what the Nigerian man, Bright, told me over a Chinese dinner. I mean, that's just funny. A U.S. woman, a Nigerian man, eating Chinese in Mexico. (laughs) Do I tell you about the courage of the Honduran mother whose 21-year-old daughter was kidnapped by a gang for three days? Those three days were not spoken of in detail, but somehow the mother bought her daughter back from the traffickers and they escaped and are now living in a shelter with the Haitians. Do I tell you about the deported vets? Those who have lived without documents in the U.S. since they were two years old educated in our public school system, for whom English is their first language, even if it's not their parents' first language, who were recruited by our armed service to serve our country. know their country, because they call themselves Americans, since it's all they've ever known only to get busted for a drug possession or a DUI, which they were using to recover from the PTSD of Vietnam or the Gulf War. They served their time in jail, where only then it mattered that they were undocumented and they were deported to a country where they knew no one and didn't even speak the language. Their children and their grandchildren live in the United States. They kept saying, we're Americans. Do I tell you about the courage of the dreamer moms? I dare not, because those stories were the hardest for me, and I can't retell their stories without sobbing myself. I did learn that domestic violence is more rampant than any of us would ever imagine, and that the fear that many women live with is paralyzing, and yet they are finding their voices, and they're organizing, and they're joining with each other to say, we are mothers that have been separated from our children, we are warriors, we are strong, we will not give up. Yes, I will buy one of your pink Dreamer Mom t shirts and wear it on the plane home. When I was going through security in San Diego, the, it says Dreamer Moms on the front and on the back it says, Have you seen my kids? And I'm going through and the security guard said, No, I hadn't. I said, Pardon me? He said, No, I haven't. No, you haven't what? I haven't seen your kids. Oh, let me tell you about the dreamer moms, just 30 minutes that way. They hadn't seen their kids in years. It didn't take courage to go. It takes courage to decide to tell the stories. And it takes courage to find ways to do something to help the people who are hurting. Should our church decide to do something anything, it will take courage to do it as a church. Helping human beings who are hurting, whether they are documented or not, is the job of the church. It's the job of politicians to talk about walls and policies. Let's let them talk about it, because they are excellent at talking about it. All of them. Let's let them talk about it so that we can talk about people. I wonder if we should help connect dreamers to some of their deported moms. I wonder if we should help veterans know how to receive permanent status since they fought for our freedom and all. I wonder if we should provide shelter for immigrants who are trying to get started. I wonder if we should become a sanctuary church that provides a safe harbor for those seeking asylum. I wonder if more people should go to the border and see for themselves the complexities of the issue and hear for themselves the story of the, wound, the stories of the wounded and afraid. Will we have the courage of Esther and see this time as a for such a time as this kind of time when we might save the people from destruction and annihilation? It was St. Augustine who said, Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. You see, I didn't have hope at the first of the week because I forgot that hope's beautiful daughters were anger and courage. I was mistaken and I thought that hope's beautiful daughter was sadness. I was sad. Judene and Nesteha helped me get mad. So now the question remains for me, will I have the sister courage to do something? Down by the ocean, on the border of Mexico and the United States, there's one small stretch of the wall And it has a sturdy mesh covering the open slats. Every Saturday and Sunday in this one small piece of the wall, it's not even close to as wide as this sanctuary, maybe as wide as the center section of pews. But every Saturday and Sunday in this one small piece of the wall, families from all over the U.S. come, and from all over Mexico, and they get 30 minutes face-to-face. At the wall. On the Mexican side, people can just clutter up there. On the American side, there's border patrol and a lot of supervision. The Mexican side is brightly painted with messages and images of hope. The U.S. side is plain and rusty. I've stood on both sides of the wall in that same spot it took four hours to get from here to here i served communion during border church last sunday afternoon it was an honor i have never served communion with tears streaming down my face before but i did last sunday as the mexican family members came up to me somehow when i pinched off a piece of the bread and gave it to them and said the body of christ broken for you it just sounded different because i was looking at their own brokenness and it was so raw but at that small section of the wall where mesh covers the open slats the only thing that people can touch from one side to the other is their pinky fingers that's all you can get through the little holes in the wall so on the front cover I stuck my finger in that wall and took a picture and then right beside that spot there's a a painting of fingers like this at the top of the wall at this particular friendship park place They stand there and they talk face to face, only able to link their pinkies together. It's become a symbolic way to hold hands in Mexico. So often, instead of linking our arms or holding hands in our group circle time, we would simply link our pinkies together in a circle of solidarity with those who are hurting on both sides of the wall. Every time I did it last week, I made a promise to tell their stories and to find ways to do something. It was a pinky promise to myself that I would have the courage to say something and the courage to do something. Name your topic immigration. Racism, homophobia, education, homelessness, health care, sexually abused, name any issue. May we all have the courage to pinky promise to say something and do something. That is the job of the church. May it be so. Amen.
0: We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.